This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Kirsten, or our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR, part of a private equity Montague's portfolio of standalone companies. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Kirsten Longbottom, and we are joined by EPFR's resident economist, Cameron Brandt. Each week, we get together to talk about themes and trends dominating the financial landscape and reflect on mutual funds and ETF flows and allocations data tracked by EPFR. Cam, Happy New Year and holidays. What did you get for Christmas this year? Well, we did uh, try to be more moderate on the gifts this year, but I have to say our success looked a lot like the average congressional spending limit resolution. So my main presents were a new fishing rod, which will come as no surprise to anyone who knows me, and a big box of a British biscuit called Twiglet, uh, which uh, uh, they're um, sort of baked sticks dotted with Marmite. And judging from the reaction of everyone, I've sort of given a sample to their <laughs> an acquired taste, which I happen to have acquired. <laughs> They do sound good, um, and no surprise to our listeners either that you got a a fishing rod for Christmas. Um, Good. So on the fun flows side, um, I guess last year we spoke about how China is casting such a big shadow that it's hard to see much beyond that in the emerging market space. And you noted that perspectives may view emerging markets as sort of EM and EMX China. Another more recent development was with frontier markets and the potential breakout of Vietnam. And with the slowing easing of zero COVID policies and more outbreaks, not something investors are completely ignoring. Um, Do you think this breakup of emerging markets holds true as we enter 2023? Well, certainly the from a fund flow perspective, what we saw last year and, and indeed sort of the first uh, week of this year uh, is that uh, China and to lesser extent greater China and Taiwan and Hong Kong equity funds uh, are soaking up the bulk of the positive flows recorded by all emerging markets um, equity funds. And as you mentioned on the frontier markets front, uh, it's really been interest in Vietnam driving uh, those particular flows. So there's certainly been a, 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 a long-running grumbling debate about whether China should become an asset class of its own within the EM universe, the way um, there are funds that are global ex-US. Um, these things tend to take a long time uh, to chew over and then all of a sudden a consensus emerges and it happens. But, uh, you know, we certainly notice that gem fund managers are sort of reducing their exposure to China. It's gone from over a third of the average portfolio to uh, around about a quarter. Um, so I think at least some are certainly thinking about uh, this and, you know, whether you know you can truly run a, a global portfolio these days if so much of it is going to one very singular market interesting i guess to build on that um 
You mentioned the supply chain reallocation stories among emerging markets as well. Um, And I think Vietnam, Thailand, um, India, and Philippines was uh, the the four big ones that they were focusing on. Um, How do you see that playing out in in 2023? Certainly that's true within the Asia region. Uh, Mexico is, is part of that conversation as well and I think has been benefiting. Again, this is something that's going to play out over time and some of the urgency may evaporate as it often does now that China has rolled back most of its zero COVID uh, policies uh, and looks set once it gets through the current wave to be sort of somewhat back to normal, uh, certainly by the the end of the second quarter. Um, Nevertheless, I mean, I think it's a real debate and I think it will happen. Um, You know, you can't ignore the lessons of what happened with COVID and how ruthlessly China prioritized um, its zero COVID campaign and a number of other uh, political imperatives uh, at the expense of of the private sector and and global commerce. so I think there's definitely going to be a new equilibrium. Um, I, I don't think China will sit there and just watch all of these factories uh, flow out. So I would anticipate that they'll do something. Um, and it'll be a drawn-out process. You don't just lift a, you know, a large production line out of China in a day. But it, it, to some degree, it will happen to what you know, how much and which countries really end up being the beneficiaries is still uh, a bit of an open question. So some reports I've read have mentioned that major economies are heading into a recession um, led by the Eurozone and UK. In the latest week, Europe equity funds came very close to snapping their record outflow streak since it began in mid-2Q22. Uh, um, so that's 47 Street straight weeks, while UK equity funds saw their first consecutive weekly inflow in over seven months. Um, Europe and UK bond funds have also fared slightly well recently, the former recording an inflow and the latter extending their longest run of inflows since the first quarter of 2020 um, at eight weeks long. Are investors showing signs of sentiment towards Europe picking back up? I think so. Um Equity markets and and sort of mutual fund flows uh, do reflect um, a degree of sort of forward thinking, um, especially institutional investors are trying are trying to put money, you know, ahead of good opportunities rather than just piling into ones that have already happened. Um, it does sort of look like Europe is going to get through uh, this winter in better shape than certainly many people thought uh, going into it in the fall. Um, the uh, European Central Bank, though at the moment it is in an inflation-fighting mode, has historically very much sort of prioritized growth and the, and the role growth plays in keeping the Eurozone together. So there's definitely a feeling that um, the pivot point for the ECB might actually surprise <laughs> in terms of being closer, whereas uh, you know, a lot of, of commentary 
regarding the U.S., focuses on the concern that the Fed pivot point may well be beyond what the current market consensus is. So, I I mean, Europe is fairly nicely positioned in some ways for for a a rebound of sorts uh, in the second half of next year. Um, The other thing, too, is that (laughs) when you're investing in a lot of certainly the large cap European stocks, you're not really investing in in the country or only to a limited degree. Uh, uh, A lot of the major European large cap plays are very much sort of international, you know, international firms with multiple revenue sources and march to drums that have a different beat than what's going on in their uh, home base. Interesting. So I guess expanding that, um, bond funds ended 2022 on quite a rough note um, and with investors defensive on the account of anticipated rate hikes in the first quarter. Um, you mentioned how price growth was north of 7% in the U.S. and 9% in the U.S. Eurozone. Uh, Central banks were not giving such clear remarks on the level of the next rate hikes and um, also lagged effects of previous rate hikes are are hitting markets now. What are your views on on the bond market overall? Well, the bond market certainly seems to be signaling that, uh, you know, (laughs) hopes that the people will respond to the rhetorical blast coming out of central banks. I mean, obviously, from the central bank's perspective, if they can talk talk down inflationary expectations without actually having to hit people with interest rates, that's ideal. Um, So, you know, I I think there's a point to their their fairly aggressive tone, and and they're right, too. I mean, if you you take take the foot off um, too quickly, uh, inflation could easily roar back, especially given how tight labor markets are. But, um, you know, I think in general, fixed income markets are anticipating <clears throat> that the worm will turn by the second half of the year, and and you know it's starting to be time to position yourself for that. Uh, Europe bond funds have actually done quite well for some time, uh, certainly in the second half of last year. I, th- I definitely think that there is a lingering sense that uh, the <coughs> ECB. For, for a variety of reasons, is very re- reluctant to sort of surrender its role as sort of a, um, the buyer of last resort, um, you know, given the p- potential consequences. Um, if that uh, um, monetary tightening starts to fray various bonds within the Eurozone. Uh, one thing I do think we may be paying a bit more attention to in the coming weeks is sort of where Japanese monetary policy goes. Um, yeah, the Bank of Japan is, is is certainly trying to ease it with with that you know enough to soak up market forces without abandoning it completely. Um, but if if uh, they're forced to sort of lift the band, uh, which they are sort of using to constrain. Uh, 10-year sovereign yields, uh, you you could certainly see uh, Japanese investors repatriating some of the 
money that they've used to buy foreign bonds, uh, especially in the eurozone. Uh, they own a fairly healthy chunk of uh, France and Italy's debt stock, for instance. And you know, if that uh, if they start selling that down, that creates another wrinkle for policymakers in Europe. So, um, you know, I, I certainly see. A, a, you know, signs of optimism. Uh, they could easily get uh, frostbitten by, <laughs> in the first three months of the year. Um, but, you know, I think the assumption that uh, the overall climate is going to be more suitable to cutting interest rates by, by the third quarter you know, isn't, isn't <laughs> unjustified. Another round of, of cautious optimism optimism as we start 2023 so good um and we'll we'll look forward to hearing how all of that is playing out over the next few weeks um great thank you cam sorry i monopolized today's conversation but we'll we'll get your views on some of the sectors (laughs) next week perfect sounds good all right bye bye Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.buzzsprout.com or email us directly at epfrexchangepodcast at informa.com.